Yo, I truly think I played football against Ben Mason. I got to do the digging, but like, I think so. Welcome to another episode of Boom or Bust, the draft show. Max Chalk alongside PJ Clark, Tate Sigworth, and Nick Mayer. I'm going to give you our favorite day three sleepers in the 2021 NFL draft. So there's a consensus 2021 NFL draft big board that we'll link down below, uh, courtesy of NFL Mock Draft Database. They compile all the rankings from a, a ton of different experts together to get a consensus big board. So we pick some of our favorite players that are a lot lower on everyone else's boards. Of course, be sure to follow our Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at Boomer Bus Draft, or on YouTube. Anywhere you get your podcast, please like and subscribe to the channel and comment any questions you have for our mailbag. So, PJ, start us off. What's your number three sleeper? Uh, okay, so uh, very near and dear to my heart. I know he's very near and dear to Tate's. I'm going Cornell Powell, the uh, forgotten Clemson wide receiver. Whoa. We can go with that. Um, came on the scene. I, I mean, if you follow Clemson football all year, if you watch Trevor Lawrence, uh, he was you know great this year. Justin Ross goes down. And they had to figure out who was going to fill in, what was going to happen. Cornell Powell did not play pretty much at all for the fifth year senior, did not play pretty much at all for the first, you know, three years of his career. Had a couple injuries, played 100 snaps last year in 2019. Justin Ross goes down, comes onto the scene as a fifth year senior, and just blows the roof off the place. He, he was unbelievable. Um, made Sean Wade cry in in the sugar bowl which was great i mean there's plenty of as you're watching this i already know the b-roll that i'm putting in <laughs> over this so you're seeing it now um but to me when you're looking for a day three wide receiver you're either looking at athletic freaks who are missing fundamental traits or you're looking at lower ceiling higher floor guys like a 50 year senior like cornell powell who just he runs good routes he's physical he, he's six foot, 210, uh, you know, a little built, had a good pro day. He's a really, really good run blocker. This is a guy that, like, going to come in as your wide receiver four and is going to have a really long career, is going to bounce around teams. But this is a guy that's like, you know, he's just going to be around. He'll have those weird, you know, 100-yard games every now and then once or twice a season. But, you know, combining with the, I, I think the resilience to stay for five years after not playing for four of them and break out as a fifth year senior combined with the good run blocking combined with the fine physical traits and, and just the, the plus route running. I think Cornell Powell is a valuable guy in the fourth round. All right. My first sleeper that I'll talk about is Benjamin St. Just from Minnesota. Uh, a long, tall boy. Okay, we're looking at corners. We're looking at tall boys. 6'3", 205, uh, wingspan longer than a Fatu Melifano, who's the big, long boy corner in this draft. Um, uh, I'm not saying that Benjamin... I, I'm saying it's, he's the budget of Fatu Melifano. That's kind of what I'm going for. You can pick him up in a later round. He, you're, you don't have to spend a first-round pick on Melifano, uh, and you can get St. Just in a later draft pick. Um Scheme diversity, uh, he can play up at the line of scrimmage and like press coverage, or he can play kind of in his zone and break on the ball like Melifonu does really well. Uh, he had a really excellent senior bowl, which was good for his draft stock because he really didn't face a ton of NFL wide receivers during his years at Minnesota somehow. Um, after transferring from Michigan, which we'll talk about in a second. But at the senior bowl, I mean, he was really excellent. He kept pace with deep threat wide receivers 
really well, which is something that I guess was surprising to a lot of people for someone who's, you know, a bigger corner. Usually you maybe expect like a slower speed as a result, but um, he played really well there against, you know, smaller, speedier guys. Um, he's also a really good tackler. That's one of the many uh, pluses of St. Just. But I, I sometimes I think the size does inhibit him, like the smaller, shiftier wide receivers. Uh, he played well against him at the Senior Bowl, but will he do it consistently down to down? I can't guarantee. Just below average agility, I think. Um, and the Michigan departure was kind of weird. I mentioned he transferred. He missed all of 2018 with a hamstring injury. And then missed the spring season in 2019. The school said he was medically retiring. Um, and then he transferred to Minnesota and finished out his college career. So, you know, the interviews and the medicals are things that that'll clear all that up with. But, I mean, I think as a prospect, I think he has a pretty high ceiling, but also a pretty high floor. So I think there's good value there on day three. So my first guy I'm going to talk about is Josh Palmer, who I ended up with a fourth round grade on after doing a deep dive into him. Uh, the wide receiver from Tennessee uh, today and yesterday. Um, an interesting one to look into because I think everyone who's really done a deep dive into any prospects in this draft has watched those Georgia corners, saw Josh Palmer just physically abuse Tyson Campbell and Eric Stokes at time at that game against Georgia this year. And it was just kind of like that was his one like great game of his college career. Um, and you're wondering if there's like more of those type of games and not really. It, it's kind of difficult to explain how he's worked as a player. He's a four-year player. He started three of his years. He n never topped 500 yards. He was just about 450 every single season. Um, but he did play a majority of snaps. He played inside and outside. He was he's physically gifted. He's big. He can move pretty well for his size. He's not a burner. Um, I think he does move his feet well. I think he takes good angles after the catch. He's kind of like Devontae Smith in that he's not the quickest guy, but after the catch, he's able to get yards after the catch. I'm a little concerned in that he really runs mostly just curls, comebacks, fades, and go routes. That's basically it. They have him playing on almost completely vertical plane. They don't have him cutting much inside and outside, which could be scary for him at the next level when he has to do a little bit more to kind of shake corners. Um, struggled to win deep, excelled from 10 to 19 yards, though. Guy has really soft hands, great at the catch point, contested catches. The issue, again, though, is production um, and just playing in an offense that, honestly, at Tennessee wasn't that good. He didn't get a whole lot of looks. Um, but that one game against Georgia is just wild to me because of how he just physically abused Tyson Campbell, who, say what you will about him as a cornerback prospect, I know some of us on this pod don't like him as much as others, is one of the more physically gifted guys in this NFL draft in terms of size and speed and, and length and those type of things. And he just beat him down the sideline twice in that game. Um, he is a guy who steadily improved each year in college, was never elite. So this is all projection for him. But if you put him in an offense around guys who I think are more separators and you just kind of have him as that one possession guy, I, I think he could be beneficial to teams who are just looking for receiver talent late in the draft as a death piece. He's going to come in. If someone gets hurt, he might play some. And he has the ceiling if he can figure out how to run more routes uh, to be a better player. And you know, he was 234 on the on the consensus big board, which is like I thought was really low. And then, you know, of course, right when I dive into a guy, Mike Renner puts him 72 on his big board, which is like, OK, um, I don't know if he's that high on my board. But, uh, you know, uh, some things to take away that make him interesting. I, I do like him in the fourth round. Yeah. So, Nick, you mentioned how Palmer really dominated the Georgia defense. One of my guys is Georgia edge rusher Malik Herring. He's number 205 on the consensus board. I've got him way higher than that. I have him right now number 75. I'm still shifting some stuff around. Thick guy. He's six foot three, 280. 
Um, very consistently very good in the SEC. Dominated in 2019, very good in 2018. Really good run defender, really good tackler. Only missed 6% of his career attempts. Really good hand placement too. Not an excellent pass rusher. He's an okay pass rusher, a little bit below average. Took a step back this year. The big thing with him, not very athletic at all. He didn't participate in any of the drills at Georgia's Pro Day. Very smart of him because he could have, his stock probably could have gone even lower. But listen, he produced in the SEC for three years. Very good in the run game. I think that's someone worth taking higher than the sixth round, which is where everyone has him ranked right now. So I've got him right now a third round grade, maybe a little bit lower, uh, but I think he's definitely better than the sixth round. So Tate, give me another of your sleepers in this class. Okay, so I think Benjamin St. Just could be a first a first string cornerback, like court CB1. Um, this other guy, Rodarius Williams, who I'm going to talk about, I, I think is ultimately more of like a rotational corner, maybe lower ceiling CB2 type guy. Um, but, you know, it, it, the thing with Rodarius Williams is just a ton of experience. He's over 1,500 coverage snaps, nearly 3,000 overall snaps. He never missed a game in his college career. Um, it's like, similar to St. Just. It's a mix of press coverage and zone skills with him. Good length, good physicality, good speed that helps him out in press coverage and turning and running with receivers. Um, he has cover three experience. So, you know, if you have an NFL team that maybe kind of doesn't rely really on one, either, you know, purely cover three, purely, you know, more man, he can kind of play a nice middle ground and help out as a depth piece there. Had an excellent 2020, six games this year with less than seven yards allowed, didn't give up a touchdown. Um, there's a big step up from him in terms of his production this year. Uh, and uh, thanks to the wonderful journalism of uh, Max Chadwick here, toughest <laughs> cornerback friend of the pod, Tylen Wallace, faced uh, in his career. So thanks to Max for that little tidbit. Um, but the big knock against Rodarius right now is the age. He's going to be 25 in his rookie season. That's just not someone you're going to spend a high draft pick on. Uh, for He's Greedy Williams' older brother, which is kind of crazy because... <sighs> I thought he was a younger brother. I didn't no, know he was the, the older, older brother. brother of he's the brother. only brother of a guy who's been in the league for three years. Um, <laughs> That's... Oh my God. I knew he yeah, was his brother. It's... I thought he was younger. <laughs> oh, <geez>. oh. <laughs> That's um, kind of alarming, I think, when you frame it that way. Uh, you know, you hear 25 in his rookie year, and you're like, oh. And then it's Greedy Williams' older brother, and you're like, wait, he hasn't Greedy like, been in the oh. league for years? Um, pedigree, yeah, a pedigree. Although freaking so. greedy, will you ever see the field? Um, coming from a Browns fan, uh, also Rodarius. Going back to Rodarius, getting back on topic. Only two interceptions in four years. I talked about all that experience, but he only has two interceptions. Not a real knack for turnovers or for the ball, I guess. Also, thirteen penalties in four years. Um. You know, I, I think he's a good depth piece for a team that needs it. And I, from the later rounds, I think you're kind of filling out your roster. So I, I think Rodarius Williams would be a guy to look out for. Um, okay, so you took a Williams corner. I'll go with another one. Uh, I'm just going to complete the trifecta of of the three Syracuse guys. I'm going Trill Williams. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, why not? Be be a homer for Mr. No reason, Williams, right? finally. Yeah, tr uh, Mr. Williams, please, please enjoy this video. Um, <laughs> I have been, uh, I guess, uh, acquainted with the glory of Trill Williams for a long time. He played in the same league as my high school. So I have uh, I have seen him throughout two stages of his career now. And Trill Williams is just a hell of a football player. I mean, this is a guy that, um, much like Andre Sisco, has a knack for making big plays, a knack for the ball. 
Um, I think he's going to be very scheme versatile. He's got experience at a variety of, of positions. Uh, he played mostly slot corner for, for Syracuse this year as they had two pretty good outside corners, including Ifimo Fawu, who's Tate's favorite player. But, you know, was a great in the slot this year as a coverage guy, has experience at free safety, has limited experience as, as a wide outside corner. But I do think, you know, at 6'2", 200 pounds, he's long, he's built, he's a huge dude. I do think, you know, worst case scenario, you could try him outside because we've never seen it, but he has the length. It's another, all three Syracuse guys are these long, rangy dudes, and all, all three of them look like they were built in a lab, which I guess is somehow a testament to Syracuse recruiting. But this is a guy that, and he's even got some, some linebacker snaps playing in the box safety type role. This is a guy that I, I just think, you know, defensive coordinators, especially when you're talking day three or even late round three, this is a guy that somebody is going to stand on the table for and pound because he's such a plus athlete and you haven't seen him at what could be his peak at outside corner. Yeah, uh, Syracuse recruiting, please let me come in for my job interview. Anyways, <laughs> um, <laughs> let's move on to another receiver because that's just what we're going to be talking about constantly. Anthony Schwartz, uh, wide receiver Auburn. I got a fifth round grade on this guy. Uh, Trackleet, Trackleet, Trackstar. I don't know. Good stuff. I don't know. He's fast. He runs. Uh, that's about it, really. He's a bubble screen and go route guy. Um, first thing I have down written for his notes is hard evaluation because of Bo Nix. Um, <laughs> it's the Seth, the Seth Williams principle. Because mm -hmm. so many of these Schwartz routes, again, a lot of bubble screens, a lot of go routes. Even with go routes, it's kind of a tough thing to not throw on time. Because if you run a go route and it doesn't get thrown immediately and you're just out of the play, you, you they tell you to track back to the play if the quarterback breaks pocket and starts running around looking for open receivers, which Bo Nix does like 80% of the time. So, you know, a lot of plays on tape where Anthony Schwartz is just not relevant. However, there are some plays on tape where it's like, wow, that guy just burned this corner badly. And if he can do that consistently at the NFL level, he has that Deshaun Jackson type burn you, catch the ball, touchdown, immediately flip the game on his head type ability. Um, so, you know, he, he's a little smaller. Um, he didn't have a lot of opportunities to do anything outside of being that deep threat. Uh, but deep threats are valuable in the NFL. Uh, we've seen deep threats come from later rounds. Um, maybe not recently, but uh, certainly at times in the NFL when you have smaller guys who are just fast, uh, who can run and just are good at go routes and get open. Uh, I think about, you know, guys who, uh, I mean, I can't think of any late round picks off the top of my head that have been good at go good fast, but I, I, there certainly are a few um, I, because I know I had this down in my notes and I just don't know why I didn't write anything down. My bad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, even if he's not a guy who gets targeted over and over again, there's value to having someone who just takes the top off of a defense, opens up underneath stuff for guys to get open on crossers and stuff. Um, and Anthony Schwartz certainly did that at Auburn with a poor quarterback situation. And if he can do it there, I think he can do it at the NFL level. It needs to put on a little bit of weight, but um, hey, we'll take fast guys. Fast guys are good. Yeah. I cannot wait for the uh, 2022 discourse around Bo Nix next year because uh, that is going to be a lot of fun. I can tell you which side we're going to be on, yeah. baby. Uh, yeah, this, yeah. this is the sleepers video. Bo Nix will be in our overrated video for sure because I know a lot of people are going to like him and we're not uh, at time. Bo Nix will be in my fast asleep video. Yeah. He's going <laughs> to watch him just light it up next year and we're going to look like idiots. Oh, yeah. I can't wait for the comments. Wow, look at these idiots. Yeah, of course. 
Um, my guy, not very fast. Larry Borum, offensive tackle from Missouri. Uh, actually, he was fast for an offensive tackle, which I'll get into. So he's number 231 on the big board, which is like a seventh-round pick. Yeah. Uh, I've got him number 74 overall. I am a big fan of Mr. Larry Borum. He's really good frame, six foot five, three twenty-two. Dominated this year at Missouri at right tackle. Only allowed four pressures on three hundred twenty-four snaps. Also, really improved as a run blocker. Looked good in on gap end zone plays. So everyone's concern with Larry Borum was, okay, yeah, he played great at right tackle, whatever, but he's not athletic. Well, he scored an eight point six seven relative athletic score uh, at his pro day, which is really good. Really good speed, really good explosion. His 40 was in the 65th percentile, and the vertical was in the 79th percentile. So he answered a lot of questions about his athleticism. Um, also, he didn't look nearly as good in 2019, but I think a lot of that was due to him shuffling all over the offensive line that year. He only position he didn't play in 2019 was center. He played left tackle, left guard, right guard, and right tackle in 2019. So listen, dominated in 2020 in the SEC at right tackle, showed at his pro day that he has more than enough athleticism to survive at right tackle, or even if he has a kick inside to guard, like many people say he has to. But I think this guy's a day-two pick, and for him to be ranked as a seventh-rounder is absurd to me. So finally, Nick, finish it off. Who's your last sleeper that you want to talk about? You other two need to step up your game. Max just convinced me big time to be on the Larry Borm train. Um Rashad Wild Goose, cornerback from Wisconsin. Very weird evaluation. I don't really even know what to say. The guy played, like, safety, uh, slot corner, and outside corner, uh, but he wasn't a starter, so he didn't really play that much. Um, but when he did play off outside corner, uh, and every once in a while when he was in man coverage, he was unbelievable in the few outside corner man coverage snaps he took. So we're talking about, like, I don't know, a sixth of his snaps, and a guy that already doesn't start, but he was so good at it that it's like you kind of are intrigued by the ability for him to just be physical, play leverage and angles as well as he does. Walls guys off excellently, has great ball skills, did it against top competition, did it against physical receivers against Michigan. I think he had a couple nice breakups against the Michigan always has big possession guys. I don't know if it was Nico Collins or Tariq Black or uh, DPJ or whatever it was. But, you know, at times was certainly the best outside corner Wisconsin had when they used him. I don't know why they didn't use him as much as they should have, but he didn't. Small sample size, excellent in man coverage. Teams are looking for that at the NFL level. If you can get him into that scheme where it's man heavy and you can put on the outside, is he able to replicate that over and over and over again? I'm willing to take the bet on this guy. I have him as an early fourth round pick. I wouldn't be upset if someone even took him earlier than that because I just think of that is so valuable to be that good of a man corner at the next level. But the knock is just not a lot of snaps. Coverage is inconsistent. It can be good and bad, and there's really no you know way to describe it. So even if you're good in like a sixth of your snaps in college, doesn't mean you're going to be good, let alone in the NFL in college again. But you know, you take a bet on a guy like this just because of what he does. Um, it's valuable, and I, I, I think that this guy will go higher than people are expecting in this draft just because of that. Uh, okay, so if you want to take it back to the Cornell Powell discourse, uh, I said when you're looking at day three wide receivers, you either want the low ceiling, high floor, you know, good technical skills, good run blocker, that type of guy, or you want the uber athletic who may not entirely know what they're doing yet. Uh, Joshua Matterbebe, the Illinois wide receiver, is the best athlete in this entire class. And he is my 
third guy on this list. Um, just for context, uh, no combine, obviously, this year. But at Illinois Pro Day, Josh Matterbebe, uh 46 and a half inch vertical, which would shatter the combine record. And then taking it back even to high school, 47.1 inch vertical at the opening when he was little bit of pedigree, not big pedigree, little bit of pedigree, four-star recruit that was initially committed to USC, didn't play at USC at all, transferred to Illinois, and had a, a great 2019, uh, nine touchdowns, 600 yards, and then, you know, Big Ten season got kind of all screwed a little bit, only played seven games this year, but this is a guy, very, very limited route tree, just he either goes deep or he goes over the middle of the field, but the measurements, 6'2", 220, this is guy is like, I mean, I, I hate to do this and I hate to be that guy, but if you're looking for like low rate DK Metcalf, if you're looking for oh. the poor man's DK Metcalf, Simi Fajoko was also going to be on my list and then we only <laughs> cut it to three, but ran a four, four, eight at, at pro day, 24 reps on the bench press. This guy is an athletic Marvel and he does back up on tape to an extent it's a very limited route tree he only runs slants or nines but i think this is a guy that you have to take on day three because that ability to literally out jump anybody who has ever played football before <laughs> in a vertical offense i just you can't pass it up to me that vertical he literally looked like he was floating i remember that, that opening video a few years ago when i first saw that he literally looked like he was floating it was unbelievable yeah, I, I mean, that's that's just somebody's going to take him. I, I think, you know, based on production, it's a small sample size. I think because of the huge pro day and because more people know his name now, I would go. He probably goes in round five. But I, I just I don't know what else you're looking for out of a day three wide receiver, if not the athletic marvel. Um, all right, my third, I guess, sleeper. I'm going with Darius Stills, West Virginia interior defensive lineman. Um, I think in a weaker interior defensive lineman class, I, I think Darius still should have been in our top 10 video. Um, but here we are, alas. Um, the main knock I against agree. Stills is his, is his size. <laughs> I, I'll get there. I'll get there. You know, hey, don't steal my thunder. Um, the main knock against Stills is his size. He's only six foot, 278, two inches and 20 pounds lighter than the average IDL. Um, 19th percentile for arm length, 8th percentile for hands. So he's kind of smaller, but uh, draft scouts, they like to flip that and kind of uh, do like a PR kind of move where they just call that natural leverage, um, you know, which is a thing. Um, it's true. He's smaller than other people, so his, he has a lower pad level, lower center of gravity. Low you know, it can't be baby. a knock, but at the, Low man wins. At the same Low time, man wins. I, I, it's true. It's true. Um so, yes, he, he does win in some ways. Uh, I think he's a good pass rusher. I think ultimately his main fit is honestly maybe just a third down guy. I don't know if he's a three down IDL guy, maybe in like a four three with a, a good run defending partner. He can, you know, be down there out there for three downs. But um, the pedigree is there. Thank you, Nicholas. Uh, Dad, Gary had a nine year career in the NFL. High motor, lots of high effort plays like pursuit, chase down stuff on film. You know, it's just the size and maybe the strength and just like the run defending. That's the question with Darius Stills. But I mean, I think in a weaker IDL class, like I said, I think why not take a shot on Darius Stills? Yeah, so my final guy is Divine Diablo, the safety from Virginia Tech. He's right now on the consensus big board, number 195. I've got him number 66, so right on the cusp 
of being a second rounder. This dude you put the he, guy named Diablo at sixty six. Damn. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. Oh, I didn't even think about that. What are we doing? <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty trouble. brutal. That's pretty brutal. <laughs> um, Divide Diablo, he is massive for a safety. He's 6'3, 226, um, both 98th percentile. He lays the wood on receivers, really improved in coverage this year. So, four of his six picks in his career came this year. He only allowed a pass rating of 53 when targeted. Above average run defender, too. He plays in the box, makes a lot of plays on ball carriers. Uh, really good instincts, too. He's almost never out of position. Again, the relative athletic score, love that. 8.03. Pretty good. Not the quickest, not the most agile, but he ran a 4.42, so he's got really good long speed. Um, but look, he's a strong safety who should play mostly in the box. He played very well there in 2020. He improved enough in coverage and showed off good speed for his size that I think he's worth an early third round pick, not a sixth rounder. So give the comp, Max. Give the comp. Give the comp for who? Who? Who uh, should former, I say? Former fifth round physical freak from Virginia Tech, Cam Chancellor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not doing Cam Chancellor. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Our commenters would hate me even more than they do now. Uh, but that's all, that's all we got for our sleepers video. So, of course, we want to hear your sleepers, too, because a lot of you guys in the comments, you give us prospects because a lot of guys that we've never even heard of, it's like, hey, watch this guy. And we're like, all right, we'll watch him. Hey, um, real so quick, Pete Werner guy. I'm sorry. As an Ohio State fan, um, this guy has been commenting for a Pete Werner scouting report for weeks <laughs> now. Um, he should be in this video. Uh, if I had a fourth guy. He was in qualify, right? <laughs> the Yeah, the big board, the, the consensus big board. He was pretty high. Um <laughs> It's it's I like Pete Warner, okay, but I just I didn't really fit the criteria perfectly. And I I just I'm sorry, okay. I feel awful. Actually, Pete Warner, so our criteria was 125 or lower. Pete Warner 109. How about Let's Big go. Pete there, How man? It? How about Pete, it? 109. Eat right up, in kid. the cusp of that, like mid fourth round pick. Love it. Um so yeah, we apologize for Pete Warner. Um hopefully we'll talk about him on draft on draft day. Maybe day two, maybe day three. Whenever he gets picked, we'll, we'll talk about him. Um, that's it. Those were our sleepers in the 2021 NFL draft. Again, drop your sleepers below. We want to hear who you guys think that we should watch out for. Because uh, obviously this is a really interesting process. And a lot of guys, new names come up all the time. So we want to know. What other videos you do you want? Below. Let us yeah, know what, what to do. Videos, please. We're, we're coming up close to the draft. Um, we've got plans, obviously. But we want to hear what you guys want. Because I know... I think two commenters said sleepers video and we're like, yeah, it should be a really good idea. Here we are. Um, so we're going to do that. So we did it. So uh, any other video ideas you have, again, follow our Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at Boomer Bus Draft. Please like and subscribe to the channel and comment any questions you have for our mailbag. So for PJ Clark, Tate Sigworth, and Nick Miriam, I'm Max Shadwick. Have a great night.